You're listening to Health 4.0 Leadership Podcast with your host, Namratha Bagaria. Welcome to Health 4.0 Leadership Podcast. My name is Namrata Bagaria and I'm your host. My guest today is one of my lab colleagues, former lab colleagues, Mohammed Gudrati Gohar. Welcome, Mohammed. Thank you so much. Now let me greet you and all the audience will be uh, watching this session. And thanks a lot for having me for today's session. My pleasure. So to our listeners, if you heard our last episode, which was with Linda Dow from the Canadian Space Agency, it's thanks to Mohammed that I made that connect. And Mohammed is the only person who would be in the lab in the mornings, like me, and that's how we became friends. And well, now nobody goes to the lab because of COVID-19 situation, but I did miss him dearly even after he graduated. So after this introduction of a very hardworking, talented, smart, and fun person, welcome Mohammed. So Mohammed, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what are you doing now and what uh, what was your master's thesis about? Perfect. Thanks a lot now for the kind words and I'm really missing those days in the lab at university too. Uh, for the beginning of our discussion, let me provide you a high-level overview of what is my biography, what is the background, and how I started my healthcare journey. So my journey coming back around seven years ago when I started to do my bachelor and I was thinking to decide a major which I have passion, my aspiration fits in, and what I'm going to do in the future. So I was always obsessed about the beauties and magical points of engineering, specifically electrical engineering. But at the same time, I was valuing a lot that how much engineers can benefit healthcare ecosystem. And healthcare is probably, not probably, definitely the top priority of humanity. And without having a good healthcare ecosystem, we're going to have some challenges to push other fields forward and have a um, feasible and beneficiary ecosystem for everybody. So that was the moment I figured out biomedical engineering is a major that can be exactly bridging these points with electrical engineering and healthcare. That's going to be a fit that I have the passion in and I'm going to continue. So after finishing my bachelor, I had the, the fortunate time to get into U Ottawa, start my master's studies at University of Ottawa under great supervision of Dr. Hossein al which was a great and awesome experience, and I passed my hello from here to him. And uh, that was the time I narrowed my contribution that I, how can I provide advantages from my perspective to healthcare ecosystem. So as a biomedical engineer, at the same time, I chose the path that I have to understand artificial intelligence or machine learning as a healthcare data science. How can I contribute to this ecosystem? So the beginning of this narrowed down journey was my thesis. And as you mentioned, which was a pretty wonderful journey and interesting topic that I had the, the pleasure and honor to work with Dr. Hosina Osma, which was about detecting the vital signs of the people, mainly breathing rate using uh, facial videos. So at the beginning, it sounds like a science fiction and uh, pretty interesting, but uh, there's the core, which is uh, artificial intelligence is being leveraged and it's already done and published for the people who are interested. I would be happy to share. 
Yeah, and I'll so, provide the link after we finish. I'll provide the link in the bio that I have below the in the podcast. Perfect. Sounds great. So in a nutshell, uh, we were assigned to use facial videos for the people and try to eradicate the limitations that some common contact based methods that can provide for health status, some imprecise measurement and uncomfortable situation, specifically for premature infants, for the patients with a specific status, for example, they have burn skin. Um, the camera can be just uh, situated in a way that it's a bit far from them, a couple of meters. It can be used with any kind of RGB cameras, your mobile phones, security cameras. We have cameras everywhere, right? So we're tracking the face of the people and changes of the color of the forehead and have some advanced artificial intelligence based models and complex algorithms. We were able to successfully reveal those vital signs for the people even who are moving. That was a, uh, the main part of contribution that we had in this research. So that was the reason that I opened up the gateway of uh, getting more more about AI and machine learning. And currently I am contributing as a machine learning developer for Transport Canada which at the beginning doesn't seem so close to healthcare, but you will be surprised how much healthcare is involved in other industries. Uh, for example, in Transport Canada with COVID uh, pandemic that happened, Transport Canada has a lot of side projects that are looking for transportation as this disease can be transported from different countries, continents. So having transportation monitoring for all the vessels and airlines will vehemently help them to figure out some risky situations. And there is a machine learning procedure involved for some predictive analysis. So that was a high level quick journey of my biography so far. And currently I am still working on the AI domain with a portion of healthcare as well. Awesome. So this conversation is going to be a lot around machine learning, AI, computer vision, because I know you've worked in these domains. Um, and my technical knowledge in these domains is very limited. So I'm going to try and balance the conversation between a little bit of technical so that our technical audience can enjoy it and a lay audience. So, so I'm going to play the lay audience role because you know my, my <laughs> two left feet when it comes to dancing the AI game. So Mohammed, what did you, what were the top three challenges when you started off in this journey, specifically not your personal journey, but as, as a researcher in AI for health. And then from that, what were your major learnings that you got, which you would like to share with other researchers in this field? Perfect. That's a great question. Actually, uh, let's talk about the challenges. And as you said, three top challenges that this combination of AI and healthcare, which was my contribution that they personally face up with during the research thesis and also some side projects and internship that I did in this domain using this course. Uh, one of the, the fact that is essential that you need to have for any AI journey is data. And as you know, data always has better ideas. And with having no enough sufficient data, it is not really possible to have valuable outcome and having your model being trained and some predictive analysis. And healthcare data is not something freely and open source available. There are so many ethics that you have to go there, follow up some regulations, making sure that you have access to clean and useful and informative data. That's a challenge. And based on my experience, there are so many methodologies that you can overcome. But what I did as an example, 
I had to figure out some secondary data sources, which was available online. And there are so many other algorithm and mathematic-based solutions that you can impute your data and generate more data out of some limited data that you have. So this is a challenge that the people who are working as a healthcare data scientists, they have to make sure that the data science-based knowledge and core is boosted up enough to overcome so those limited access to the healthcare data. The second thing that I want to mention is explainability in AI is very prominent. And as you know, there's a hot topic about XAI that talks about how we can make it explainable in AI. And healthcare is very important because, which is, people call it the challenge of biomedical engineering or healthcare data scientists, but I call it, this is the sweetest part maybe. And I do who I was enjoy this challenge. That biomedical is bridging between two cores, engineering and healthcare. So people who are, purely in healthcare, they have different perspectives than people who are purely in engineering. To making as a biomedical or healthcare data scientist, joining these two to each other, you have to make sure that you provide a vision that is understandable for both of them. That's why not only in healthcare that there are so many AI policy going on to train healthcare people to have a high level understanding of AI. And at the same time for the data scientists, biomedical engineers, they have to make sure that they can make the models more explainable. And this is a challenge I face up with. It involves softer skills and also technical skills, making sure that your outcome is something deliverable and understandable. And the third one I would say, which is an overall of the first and second, making sure that your model is something in AI can be leveraged within a given time in the future for the healthcare application. So many people, at the beginning of this journey think that, okay, I have the data, I killing that, I know how to present my solution and outcome and I'm done. So let's put it in production and help society and humanity in the healthcare ecosystem, but this is not the case. Uh, I would like to quickly mention, do not make this answer longer, but there's a concept called MLOps or DevOps for machine learning, machine learning operation. As soon as you train the model and put it into production, this is the beginning of your journey. You have to make sure you have a strategy to monitor the model, monitor the data, data drifting, model drifting, and making sure there's a maintenance, ongoing maintenance, specifically for healthcare, which is performance definitely important because you're dealing with the healthcare, which is a prominent factor for everybody, and making sure these concepts are considerable in any healthcare and data scientists' applications. Thank you. And Mohammed, thank God I have a DevOps certification so I could understand what you're saying. Um, Perfect. So uh, one of the things in healthcare, of course, is where the margin of errors are very low to zero. Mm -hmm. You need to continuously learn and continuously integrate, right? That's what you call CICD. Exactly. And, um, I think it's interesting you mentioned it. And I'm sure you didn't do that in your thesis. This is something you must have learned while working, right? Absolutely. That was a great advantage. I learned in the second core, which is pure AI. Uh, usually in the research, uh, you develop the algorithm and pr you prove the concept that you're providing for the society of the researchers and literature. Yes. But in the production industries, there are so many enterprise companies that they're training thousands of models per day and monitoring that. And as you said, CICD, continuous integration and development is a crucial point of the applications. Yeah, I feel so proud of you right now. I want to hug you from the internet if I could, because this is something that I always find a learning curve for most students is 
yes, there is theory, which is important, but work experience is equally important, which, which these kind of conversations. And I'm grateful that you gave me time today because it's important for people to hear from young leaders like yourself, the need to learn your technical skills, which are very important. I'm not even denying that, but also understand when you apply that in the real world, it's going to look different. You need to know agile. You need to know DevOps. You need to know machine learning ops. And as we go further along in this journey, there are going to be many more things which you need to upskilling, keep upskilling yourself, you know? Absolutely. And also, I think what, what I really liked about what you mentioned was the biomedical engineers are the bridge between the medical and computer science, which was a very interesting take. I never thought of it like that. I mean, subconsciously, you know it, but unless someone says it out loud. So now, Muhammad, when I do something next big, which needs, be ready to work for me. <laughs> My pleasure. Of course, anytime now. Thank you for the kind words. Um, so... Um, Given that this was what you learned, uh, and these were like the challenges and learnings, and you are aware of Help 4.0 because I think we did it at the time when you were in the lab too, which is basically integrating these technologies, industry exactly. 4.0 technologies in health, but not just using them like as projects, but actually having a complete virtualization of care and a continuous uh, service delivery, which we're not there yet. I mean, with the COVID-19 situation was actually the one of the first triggers of digitalizing and virtualization care. So it's the starting point, I would say. And you know, you know a little bit about what we've done. Uh, so what do you think from your perspective should be the vision for something like Health 4.0? Perfect. That's a great point. And as you said, this integration is happening in MLS uh, 4.0. What I would say from my vision for the people who are contributing to making sure we're going to reach that vision. Again, it's a challenge, but it's a very interesting point that these two cores that we're all talking about that today, the engineering and healthcare, which is creating that health 4.0. We have to make sure that we're always updated to those cores and do not just being biased in one domain. For example, uh, right now, I had a great fortune. Uh, I had a great opportunity to boost up the AI portion of that that combination. But before working for biomedical domain, purely biomedical for seven years, for example, I didn't have a chance to experience in uh, ML in industry, and having that uh, vision which is purely AI oriented. So making sure these two are always integrated together, updated together, and maintained together is the success that can provide for the vision that we have in the future. And also just um, a small suggestion for, for, for the people who are thinking about to start this journey or they are also in the beginning of this journey, make sure that you're always updated with the latest news and ideas in both cores. And also do not be afraid to take the risk to involve yourself with any healthcare environment. For example, I used to do a lot of volunteering works in the hospitals in biomedical sections, even non-biomedical sections, to just see the patient's need, to see what kind of data is available there, and how can I contribute with other cores to feed these needs? So this is the, the, the perspective that I feel it is vehemently needed to cover that vision that you said that we can reach, hopefully fast and efficiently in the future. I think what you're saying is like music to my ears, because that's something I really uh, emphasize a lot, is try some things and I think you were also a student of Create Best, which is focused on biomedical engineers for, I think, mobile health uh, technologies. 
And one of the things like given today with the COVID-19 situation where the access to a lot of places is very limited for fair reasons. I think there are a lot of podcasts that are available. People can listen. There's a lot of webinars you can sign up, meet up, online meetups. And, and these are the other suggestions I would tell because for me also personally, I learned a lot about technology because I'm not an engineering engineer by training, though my PhD now is in the domain of engineering. And I had to go a lot on Wikipedia of all the things to learn. You remember when I just joined the lab, I was 90% exactly. Wikipedia and dictionary because I was like, okay, what is all this? Though I had worked in digital health for many years, but I knew another side of it, right? And I think uh, those kind of situations are um, very interesting that you mentioned because it was the same thing like you know okay let's just go talk to someone grab a coffee and you know you'd seen me doing that like come to different people's tables ask them okay what is this what does this mean what does that mean and that curiosity element unless we have that curiosity element in us to understand that we may contribute a small slice of the solution of the big problem that we have I think uh, it's very humbling. At the same time, it then makes our lives open to a lot of possibilities, right? Excellent. Excellent. That's um, great. So it's, so it's so refreshing to hear that. I, I would want to actually confess that you're right. You're coming purely with a strong medical background now since I knew you for a long time. Uh, you, I remember you had some challenges with the engineering world at the beginning, but this is the same concept for the people who are in the engineering part, specifically biomedical engineers, when they come to pure medical work. Yeah. So this is exactly the balance of weights of these course that we, I just mentioned for the vision of Health 4.0 that yeah. we have to always consider. And again, being updated, this is, I, I think this is the third time I want to emphasize on that because in both domains, specifically even in healthcare, there are so many updates and progress going on in medical devices. Okay. So having the knowledge of those updates, the AI part can come to the scenario and I won't see uh, any bottleneck that in the near future. And even, even now, I'm not sure, but definitely there's already some medical devices in imaging or diagnosis or treatment medical devices that they have already have AI and as an IoT device embedded inside or connected to the cloud resources to have AI there. So yeah. it, is a, it, is a, it is a reason that can validate that, that connection to these two cores. I think more than validation, what I feel is um, another element is when you switch from one domain to the other, there's a lot of unlearning and relearning. And that, that is a very uh, strenuous process. It's not easy. It wasn't easy for me, but I had done that uh, once before in 2015 when I had done another project. Okay, so I knew how that is. So this time, the second time when I did it in our lab, it was easier for me to do it because I was like, oh, this is how I just have to assume I don't know anything and start from like Wikipedia and then build it up from there. Now you're talking about DevOps, pure software engineering concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this was thanks to some friendships I had or developed over time, right? But also, if you know, my PhD minor was in Agile. And then if you're in Agile, you have to know what DevOps is. Well, you don't have to do it, but you have to be aware of it. Exactly. Um, but I'll, I think it also comes from another perspective, Mohammed. You and I converse. And a lot of time, people purely in engineering field don't talk to other people. They like to be in their own shell. Exactly. Not always. I'm saying uh, some or many of them and vice versa. It takes an effort to learn another person's language. Mm -hmm. And even if you do all this, let's say you develop the soft skills and you talk and all. I think a lot of times what gets missed in making devices or AI is 
how did the user journey get help? How did the end person using this? Because so many times we might make something cool, like it's super, it works, good, good results, but either people are not ready or the regulation is not ready or it's infringement of privacy in some ways when you have ambient monitoring going on. And, and, and those are the other things which uh, you've attended my workshops on regulations and other things that I talk about. It's, it's, it's the knowledge that, okay, we're making something and that's the first part of it, but then to actually have it be used and be reimbursed or bought, whatever other two journeys in that is a totally different game which needs a lot of collaboration. And maybe after the feedback, your product backlog will increase and you'll have to make some changes. So I think it's always good to start with all this information in the beginning before you develop something because you don't want to re-engineer an entire product and waste your time. Exactly. That's and, it. Sorry, now for interrupting you. Go ahead. Please. And that's what I've been like aiming to get at, at least from my academic career. So, yeah. That's a very, very great point. And I have a very good example that happened to me at my current position. So I want to call it the same concept that you mentioned in another term. I call it domain knowledge. Yeah. Uh, if I'm a data scientist as an AI developer, usually if you ask people, how do you start your journey of analytics and discovery? Uh, they will start to talk about the technical steps. I get the data and do all those mathematical computation on the top. But I would like to say before doing any of that, you have to have a clear understanding of the domain. And as you mentioned, how people are involving in that ecosystem that you would like to provide your AI solution. So in healthcare, we already talked about it, but uh, let me provide a good example that happened to me at Transport Canada. So that was the first time that I was assigned to provide an AI space solution for transportation, which is a geospatial analytics. I didn't have any transportation and geospatial analytics domain. So I figured out that's a challenge for me to, at the beginning without having that domain knowledge, just getting the data and start AI model, it doesn't work. So, but I started to just as a proof of concept to see what will happen. I didn't have the domain, just an initial understanding. And the results were not acceptable at all. And when I talked with the domain person who was really expert in transportation, specifically for the vessels, he told me, for example, in the data set, there are so many vessels are anchoring at the same time and I was using the location of the vessels. And anchoring is an outlier, but I didn't know when the vessels are anchoring, these kind of patterns will happen in the data. So that ingestion of domain knowledge, a person from that ecosystem vehemently helped me to boost up my perspective, have a better understanding, and then apply that understanding with a clear vision to the data set and all those steps which is com uh, uh, compromise of all AI technical points that we have to develop. Yeah. This is what I wanted to definitely mention and thanks a lot for bringing it up. So just to wrap up, domain knowledge is something I would like to emphasize and not in any AI solutions that you want to provide. Make sure you understand that domain, make sure you're involved with other people in that domain and your PC is not just your only friend. Don't be afraid it, involve your place in that domain and talk with the people as you said to provide the best outcome. Yeah, and vice versa, right? Domain people are stuck in problems. They need to talk for solutions. That's so a great I, point. Yeah, right? Like when I was purely in public health, you could tell me, Kanam, tell me the problems I could go on. And the engineering mindset taught me how to hack solutions. So now I understand the problem. I understand the solutions. I can give a reasonable connection. But of course, I need to work with people who actually make it. And, and there's one thing making it as a proof of concept. And it's completely different thing scaling it. 
right and within all this comes customer feedback so it's 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 like a dance of sorts happening at all points it's like uh, you musical chairs you know the music stops you stop and the music starts you're back again exactly it's, <laughs> i mean i would say it's it's an ongoing journey it's like cicd of your life happening right it's exactly. it, it's not, there is no end to it um and i think that leads to the next question which i always ask people in your case i'll modify it i'll modify it to usually i ask what are the obstacles do you think and i'm going to ask what are the obstacles you think a young researcher faces and then what are the opportunities for them within this machine learning for health space that you have a lot of knowledge perfect that's a great point we already covered a portion of the answer of this question in the discussion but i would like to emphasize and uh, elaborate more on the main point of the answer so uh, for the people who are thinking to start this journey, select this domain, also they're still involved. Some of the challenges that one of them we actually forgot to mention uh, is that not only we have to involve within the domain, as I mentioned, this is honestly my highest priority that I would like to suggest. At the same time, you mentioned the great point. It's a, a bimodal situation. They have to also approach us if there's a requirement as an AI solution I can provide. But usually the challenge is um, people, when they say that, okay, my computer is slow because I have so many data, I have processing, they know that the, already the solution is buying a better computer with more CPU, with more memory. But the fact is people, since they are not too much always familiar with AI, they don't know that the requirement is within an AI solution. So as a as a leader or as a person who is even at the beginning of this journey, I would recommend make sure at the same time, try to boost up the understanding of the people around you that are working you with that domain. Let them understand at least the high level of AI definition and the efficiency and privileges that AI can provide for your ecosystem. And then that connection will be happened. They will approach you as well. And when you're talking about your outcome, it will be more understandable people. So to wrap up again, don't be afraid to involve yourself within that domain and also try to experience even projects or volunteer approaches that can make you in more involved to those domains and write down the ideas. Sky is the limit. Don't worry about it. Now we have so many technical resources, all available cloud resources. You can go ahead and enjoy your experience and journey and be proud of yourself that you're providing the benefits and great contributions for humanity and of course healthcare which is the main important factor of our society you know as you're saying this it reminds me of something i used to do i don't know i think i still do that but now teams are virtual <laughs> so i do it with with uh, the teams that i work with uh, through my startup but i had this when we had actual offices a long time ago like not not the pandemic like before that like four five years ago um as an organization, there is a need to cross cross promote knowledge, so cross pollinate knowledge, and a lot of good efficient health tech depends on good human resource and organization management. What I mean is that I would make every day one person come and talk. I think in some some startups I did it in the lunchtime, and some startups we did it in the morning, where one person from the team tells the other people what they do, and exactly how they do it. So it's yes. like a learning hour, 15 minutes, just 15 minutes. But that 15 minutes, uh, we call it daily stand-ups now, right? In many... Or scrum meetings. Yeah. And uh, sometimes they're breakfast meetings, sometimes a lunch, or sometimes they're retreats. 
whichever setup you do, if any organization provides that platform, firstly, well, in my case, you know, I always started that platform. So if you're not that level high initiator, that's fine. And maybe it takes time to understand the dynamics. But if as an organization can provide that coffee time or that breakfast or virtual hour to decompress and actually share something, because I learned so much about, let's say, vitamin D and uh, bone health, which as a doctor, though I trained as a medical doctor, I didn't even know until I worked with some nutritionists. And then when I worked with engineers, well, we have our lab hours every week. And when you listen to other people's thesis, and well, you don't understand majority of it, but you get an idea, oh, this exists, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's a very good point. And this is the opportunity when the challenge presents that, you know what, try having that little group where everybody can come and share their knowledge, listen non-judgmentally, more with curiosity. And, 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 and that way, is, this is called basically building a knowledge platform. In, in, in Health 4.0, we are doing that through open source platform. We're aiming towards going there, not there. We, I do meetups, you know, and I do a lot of events. I do podcasts and give it, give it all. Um, but this is the first step. Like, this is exactly the first step. And if this idea lights a bulb in your head, then you need to come and give a shout out on social media to either Mohammed or me or both of us. Because, you know, uh, this is the whole purpose of doing this podcast is to come with ideas to talk about this. So, Mohammed, we've heard your journey, we've heard your learnings, your vision, your challenges, and what, what are the motivations. Is there any specific shout-out or takeaway message you have for our listeners before we wrap up? Perfect. Nothing specific. I did really enjoy the discussion. And again, I would, I would like to say thanks a lot for having me to this meeting and discussion we had. And also, I'm pretty excited, happy, and proud that motivated and entrepreneur people like you are contributing to this ecosystem, bridging in this gap, talking with people in different domain. And my final message to the people who are in this domain that enjoy this great successful journey and be proud with the outcome you will provide with the healthcare. This is always the, the, the main message I always put in front of my eyes to make sure that how much my work is valued that make me motivated every single hour that I go further with that vision, which is called Health 4.0. And if you're watching that in the, in the day, have a great day or in the night, have a great night and hope to see you again in person now after COVID pandemic. Hopefully it will be over soon. And yeah. Hold up and take care. Thanks a lot for having me today again. Thanks, Mohammed. And uh, for our listeners, I have provided the link below for his LinkedIn and his paper. And you also have the coordinates for Health 4.0. Uh, looking forward to making the connections. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You're listening to Health 4.0 Leadership Podcast with your host, Namrata Bagaria.